You know, Carl, that hurts. On the Discord, you told me that you're, you weren't accepting players for Hyperborea. Maybe I'm just not invited. Wah. Woe is me. Okay, enough of that. Hello, and welcome to the Geomologist Presents. At the top of the show, well, that was Jason Connerly expressing grief over not being in a game that I've been running, Hyperborea. Uh, because of that call and others and playing Hyperborea, like the last episode, for example, you caught um, a recap of our most recent Hyperborea games. Not in this show, but in a future show, I think Hyperborea is really going to be that star of the show in the continuing series of why you should play. And uh, probably we'll get a special guest for that because uh, while I like the show, I think uh, you got to hear other people express why they enjoy Hyperborea as well. So in this particular episode, aside from Jason Connerly, who has another call-in, we have a couple more call-ins from Rob, a.k.k. Menyon of Confessions from a Wee Timorous Bushi, and a special guest uh, is going to call in and help me to put together the recap and events of what the hell happened in my most recent Twilight 2000 episode. So, well, without uh, further me, oh, I guess I was going to say, just to answer Jason here, Hyperborea. When I run Hyperborea, it's not that you are not invited, Jason. You are definitely invited. In fact, I would say most of my games on the, that I run on the Discord are more or less open table if you communicate me and you're interested in playing them. It just, this is like the games that we play. This is a day that we play, and I have a set schedule, so it's very different. And the way Hyperborea arose, unfortunately, Jason, is it's the one of the games we play when you are unable to make it because of usually work. So it's the game that arose when you can't make it and another player couldn't make it. And it was just myself and BJ Boyd of the Arcane Alias with one other player. So we decided to run Hyperborea as the alt game on that Wednesday. And in fact... We have another alt game, so I don't know. Wednesday might just be becoming uh, the Geomologist Presents, and whatever I feel like running that day in conjunction with the players, well, that's kind of what we're going to run. So now that could be our main game, which is um, Pathfinder 2 Abomination Vault, or it could be Hyperborea, or it could be... Uh, we just rolled up characters for uh, adventures in Karatur using the first edition AD&D uh, supplement uh, for Asian-themed adventures. And, uh, well, it's the Swords of the Daimyo. I'm going to use that as a inspiration for sort of a hex crawl, but pursuit of mission type uh, format. And that's, you know, that could be a possible game on Wednesday as well. So... I guess it just really depends 
on what the players are wanting to play and what they're wanting to do. So, well, uh, enough of me. Let's get to Jason's next call. Hey, Carl, enjoyed your latest episode. Yeah, I, I don't know if you'd mentioned it when you said it, you know, shout out to me. I had seen that Millennium's in game on eBay and pointed out, and, and we were talking about it, and, and I let you buy it, so I don't feel need a need to buy the entire system in print. I am going to pick it up in PDF. That targeting mechanic that Millennium Men uses, where you put an overlay over a silhouette, and then you roll... And depending on how well you roll your hit depends, like, where on that overlay it hits. So think about a transparent dartboard you put on top of a silhouette, and then it's kind of you roll and, and to see where the numbers are. You know, that tells how far away from where you aimed at you hit. It's actually a really cool system. It's also something similar is used in Aces and Eights uh, by Ken Zirko, which I do have Aces and Eights, both editions of that, but Millennium's End has eluded me. Yeah, Millennium's End is that game that uh, has a cool rule set, um, kind of has a, you know, touchstones for me, and that sort of, you know, mercenary type soldier of fortune game. And I've definitely used some adventures and some ideas from Millennium's End, but when I tried to run it way back, we kind of, I guess we were already running the uh, GDW house system for Twilight 2000 and ran Merc 2000 rule set instead. But uh, I love Millennium's End. I think for some reason I sold the main rule book, but um, uh, I still have the rest of the products because, I, like I said, I use the adventures. There's some really cool ones, um, including, like, I think I, I dived heavily into the uh, Medellin Cartel uh, product. But, um, yeah, it's a good thing, and it'd be fun to do, like, a one-shot of it and see how that goes, honestly. Or Aces and Eights. I like that template. Um, it's a fun mechanic. It's, it's pretty cool how that, you know, kind of shows a variation you know uh, in bullets and gives you that sort of bullets all over the place but only a few hit type of vibe that you see in and uh in the fiction and actually in reality i think charles ryan uh delved deeply into ballistics and you know much like uh the authors uh, the author of cyberpunk uh, did that also delved deep into the ballistics and ballistic research and what happens in a gunfight so um, it's pretty cool and it'd be great to get it to the table so next, we're going to have a couple calls from, from Menian, like I mentioned, a.k.a. Rob. And he's going to talk about my Death Metal Lives or, or stuff that I talked about in my Death Metal Lives episode. So take it away, Menian. Hey, Carl. This is Menian, also known as Rob, just calling in midway through your uh, latest podcast, at least the latest one on my my player. But um, you're talking about uh, music and you went off to see Arch Enemy and a bunch of other bands, and that's great. Um, I, I've listened to a little bit of Arch Enemy. I'm um, not, you know, really big into them, but it's, I think it's pretty amazing. That they've got women um, coming into coming into this kind of uh, scene. You know, her vocals are fantastic, right? Um, I uh, 
recently, or maybe about a year ago, started listening to uh, Napalm Death. Now, I knew them way back in the 80s, um, but I just thought they were a bit of a joke, you know, and I never got into them. Um, but, yeah, that's sort of changed, um, and I don't know what it is exactly. So I um, I recently pick up, I picked up the uh, the album. It's not the latest album, it's the last one, I think. I think there's a new one just coming out. But I was really impressed with that. Like, there's a lot of uh, variety on there. Um, really interesting. And that one thing that really surprised me that is the uh, the lyrics are really good. There are some really clever pieces of uh, um, thinking going on, you know, behind a lot of this music. Um, and it's obviously it's not so apparent because uh, for the usual sort of casual listener, it's just shouting and screaming <laughs> but uh there you go i mean if you start digging below the surface you do find some uh some something fascinating uh in anything and uh yeah so napalm death a really uh, interesting band i do enjoy them quite a bit so i will continue now to listen to the rest of your podcast thank you Rob, thank you very much for the Napalm Death talk was from Napalm Death, Suffer the Children. Yeah, I mean, uh, they do have very interesting lyrics. The guy's extremely political, probably has always been. I love that he looks like a regular dude. And then when he gets up on stage, he gets all kind of crazy and bangs his head around, gyrates, you know, runs around the stage. They're very energetic for as long as they've been doing it, like I've said before, and I, I definitely really enjoyed them. So thanks. You know, I always willing to talk music and music talk. I think it's a, the two big things that I, of my hobby that I like is listening to hard rock and heavy metal and gaming. So, um, so yeah, I, there you go. Thank you again. Hello, Mr. Geomologist. This is Kosha. Kosha Naniubanitsky. I just wanted to let you know that our operation will commence tonight. And we shall hit as many catches as we can, taking what we can. Do not say anything, but I am hoping... That Mr. Jonesy can keep his ears attached to his head. And I am a little bit concerned about Mr. Chernoff. Because I do not think we are giving him enough things to shoot at. So I will try to do better at that. I must go because I have to treat patients before we leave. Again, say nothing. So that was Kasha Nanavir Bazinski giving us a preview, a hint of what is to come 
for our survivors who have made it to Krakow, have their own compound, have saved the city once already, but now they want to clean things up. So it is day 22, August 8th, the year 2000, and around 4 p.m., the groups roll out. There are three groups. All the vehicles have been prepped for battle. They took some time to rest after the events of the of August 7th. They've done some maintenance on their vehicles and weapons. And uh, the ambulance is being kept in reserve. But they're rolling out uh, with allies as well. So it seems that there are uh, three teams. Uh, team one is going to, which is consists of Kasha, uh, Grunts, and five of the Warda, including Dimitri, are going to head towards Cash 1, which had been hit already, the Marauder Cash, well, they're calling it 1, or Cash Alpha. It had been hit already uh, a couple days ago, or maybe yet yesterday. Um, with, well, a lot has happened in 24 hours. It was hit yesterday evening, and undoubtedly uh, the situation has changed. I've had the Marauders react uh, when as soon as they found, it took them uh, maybe a, a one shift to discover the you know the the firefight uh, location um, or the missing patrol. Then in, um, in the the BMP, which was already there, started driving off, uh, driving to where the players do not know. But that's what I did in the background. So there was I felt that it was dynamic and a, and a reaction. So the idea was for the BMP to drive, communicate. Uh, with the other uh, Marauder locations and send reinforcements to um, to to both that uh, cat location, that cache location, and to reinforce the place where the BMP drove to as well. So a lot of communication goes back and forth, uh, kind of timed things in shifts on how the Marauders reacted and. Um, so they were so things were happening while the players were planning as well. So, but the players roll out. That's uh, team one. Team two is led by uh, Steven Chernov, um, and it consists of. Uh, let's see who it consists of. Actually, let me jump back to team one. So they're taking the Russian truck that they got from the KGB after they killed Malakov and his KGB agents. Hicks is the driver, and they're taking. Arnold, who's a red leg, and Pratt, who's a rifleman, uh, plus five Warta and Grunts. That's Ankasha's riding shotgun. Team two is taking the APC, so that's um, um, Diaz and Ronson, as well as uh, led by Chernov, and Wilkins is also going. Perez, who's a red leg, and Wright, who's a combat engineer, uh, as well. So, And they're on their own. That's the group. Uh, that is inside of that. I think that's that's all they got. Uh, so hopefully uh, that's enough. And then team three is uh, Jonesy and Tops, along with Hall. Uh, Sam is driving the truck in the, as a medic. They also have ten Warta in a uh, Zill one three one. That's a Soviet type of you know, two and a half ton truck. And um, Castillo is going with them, and Ramsey, the quartermaster. Uh, so, and they kind of divided up the weapons that they had. Uh, so I, I thought a pre a three pronged attack was a very good idea. Uh, so then you couldn't, you know, marauders wouldn't escape. They'd hit them all at the same time. They couldn't move from the positions that they found them when they encountered them. So I did have the marauders have a, a scout 
a, a, a UAZ, uh, a Soviet-style Jeep, um, out on patrol. And actually, Team 2 was the first to engage. Um, so, well, what happened first, though? So they did all drive out of the compound, like I said. Uh, they hit the checkpoint, which was manned. I mean, they met this guy, like, several days ago. There has been no shift, you know, no shift change, so it's pretty regular. And their buddy, Dublinsky, was there at the checkpoint. Uh, they informed him of what was going on. Um, and interestingly, while, while he was doing that, uh, Jonesy, who has all the, all the paperwork, um, just start looking, looking at names and, and looking at the tags of the Ormo soldiers to see if uh, any of these people are on the list that Major uh, Borschko had. And uh, yep, there is one. And they confront him. Um, the guard tries to use a grenade. Grunt shoots him, and uh, then Dublinsky shoots him down for for being a traitor. So, all right. And then they drive out of the city and head roughly north. And and Team One, uh, well, actually, the player who plays Chernov had a great idea. Um, he said, "Well, let me go up. Let me take the APC up ahead and see if there's anything. There was a bridge that." They would that both team two and team three would have to cross and the APC. He wanted to make sure there was nothing set up. And like I said, there was that scout uh, vehicle kind of patrolling and the, the APC, what they called the ride uh, ran, ran into it. And they have an M113 with a 50 cal uh, much more range than the RPK uh, that the uh, scout team had. So Ronson lit them up. And uh, after a couple of volleys of fire, uh, there was no resistance left. Not everyone was dead, but they had ducked down for cover. And by the time Chernoff Cape got up there, um, at least three were dead. There were a couple that had somehow survived getting hit probably from a ricochet or shrapnel from these exploding 50 cal shells. Um, so they interrogated them. Uh, one was quite recalcitrant. So Chernoff killed him and then tied up the other one um, and left him as a present for Jonesy and radioed back. So team one had already broke, would break off from that time when team team one and three left. And then team three headed up towards, uh, towards the bridge uh, while Chernov's group team two uh, continued on to try to find out or locate uh, the second uh, Marauder camp. So they did capture you know, another vehicle that UAZ and um, anyway, so then uh, the first thing that did happen though, was um, on the way up to cash one team one Kasha's group ran into the reinforcements, which was another two and a half ton truck. Uh, the people in the truck stopped them, flashed their lights. This is like, you know, uh, late afternoon, early evening. And, uh, there was an encounter. Mr. Geomologist, this is Kosha. I don't want to talk too loudly and give away that we are trying to lure these people away from Gash 1. They are not so smart. I will be their boss. Tell them what to do. Then we will take what we want, which is the big tank good. Of gasoline. 
Once we finish that, we will hurry over to help out our friend, Mr. Chernoff. Remember I told you I'd have many things for him to shoot at this time. I hope I am not lying. I must go before somebody shoots at me. Unfortunately, Chernoff hasn't been able to shoot anything, but the first engagement was with between Team 1 and the reinforcements being sent to the Marauder Cash 1. So Kasha does uh, step out of the vehicle. Uh, there's two guys, that you know, the, the driver of the of the Marauder vehicle, plus like a maybe a sergeant or some sort of leader for the squad, comes out. Three more people pile out uh, of the back of the Zill and tell Kasha to hands up, get down. Kasha had uh, clandestinely put a grenade in her pocket. So uh, very quickly as she is spoofing these guards, um, well, she rolls her grenade under the front of the, their truck and dives for cover. The grenade explodes um, as she's rolling under the, the tr- her own truck and kills the two people, the driver and the, uh, the sergeant guy maybe who had an SMG or the leader type who had an SMG. They just got annihilated with a frag grenade. Oh, also the blew out the tires of the, of the truck and probably ruined the undercarriage and the kind of the front of the truck just goes, you know, hits the ground. So Kasha killed two people in a truck. Then as they were kind of reeling, the other three who had jumped out of the truck were reeling, not being in the blast radius of the frag grenades, but kind of stunned about what happened. Grunts uh, and Dimitri jump out of the back of the truck. Uh, Grunts, uh, is able to open fire and takes or takes down and makes the others uh, kind of more or two of them at least uh, uh, dive for cover. Hits the uh, RPK guy. Um, then that was a surprise round in a way, and we then drew for initiative. You draw cards um, for initiative, and uh, the good guys went first more or less. Um, Kasha was able to, you know, have her shotgun. Um, limbered and then she took a shot at one of the guys and blew him away um grunts finished off uh the other guy um or shot at the other guy the other guy did not go down there was some return fire but fortunately grunts was only grazed he took some damage but his flak jacket protected him um his well his kevlar vest uh, protected him and then dimitri uh took down the last one who had fired upon grunts. So uh, successful, successfully they encountered the squad who's going to reinforce cash one and took them down before they got there. It was a good use of subterfuge, quick action, and uh, some luck with the die rolls to take out these guys and not get shot back because there was return fire. I'm almost wary about return fire in this game. Like I've mentioned before, it's a very deadly game. Uh, most players only have, uh, four to five uh, hit points or wound points. And then when you uh, get hit with a gun or you know you get hit with something, some um, ordinance, then um, you have to look to see if it's a crit. And crits are what like kills you, right? When you lose your four to five hit points, you're incapacitated. And of course you could be finished off. So you're out of the combat until you get medical attention, you're out of it. Um, and there's also stress that could lead you uh, to kind of huddle up and crawl in a ball and or fall unconscious as well. But then when a all the uh, all the weapons have a crit rating, and if you do enough do damage over that threshold, you roll on a crit table for the location you hit. 
And uh, if you roll high, you're kind of dead. So Jonesy, for example, in earlier combat was shot and hit in the head, but it was only a, more or less a grazing wound, uh, did not kill him, but just took off his ear, So which they put on ice and then were able to kind of sew it back together. Hopefully it doesn't get infected. But uh, anyway, that's kind of, so Grunts, for example, got shot in the torso. It was not a crit because his Kevlar protected him. So effectively, Kasha's team one did a really good deception and kill on the reinforcements, right? Pretend one, having using Malakov's KGB truck, then they pretended that they had, uh, you know, put the hazard lights on and pretended that they had car trouble. And then Kasha kind of just had enough presence and guile to kind of get them off balance. And then uh, the grenade got rolled under and it was a successful uh, destruction of the reinforcements. Meanwhile, Jonesy finds a presence that Chernoff's group team two left for him as team three crosses the bridge. They interrogate the prisoner and he does a good job of it. They learn that there is a, a, the BMP three or the BMP has moved and there are two more leaders left, uh, one at each of the two remaining camps. And he has the radio from the UAZ and another truck. Um, he learns about the other truck that went to reinforce. And when he contacts Kasha's team, they're like, yeah, we found it. It's done. We got that truck. No, well, that truck is destroyed, I guess. Right. So, um, all right. So then he actually... Uh, then drives towards where um, the Marauder Camp 3 might be. Chernoff's team, Team 2, finds the, uh, I guess, Marauder Camp Beta, and he finds the BMP is trying to hide in the brush or has been kind of parked in the brush. There's also a two-and-a-half-ton truck there. Um, he counts about nine or so people, um, one has a flak jacket and giving orders to 10 people then. Um, and then he kind of calls and they kind of make a plan. Meanwhile, uh, Cash 3 is arrived at. So Cash Gamma, Marauder Cash Gamma. And that one uh, has a patrol. Um, it seems people kind of milling about. Jonesy gets into a good spot. He sees uh, 15 people, uh, some on patrol. There's a big tent. There's a you know, it looks pretty official, but it's not like in the middle. They're all surrounding a central area. Uh, these guys are preparing food, um, and he does actually count about 30 people or so, all in total at the base. So, um, yeah. So what happens next? Kasha's Team 1 engages Cash Alpha, and um, they kind of just drive up, kind of wave to them, uh, Kasha you know, kind of calls to them in Russian and saying, we're here to, to help. The, they buy it. The remaining five people at Cash Alpha buy it. And the truck that Kasha and Team One are in is able to back up to almost to, to kind of get ready to hook up the, uh, the 100 or I think it was a thousand liter. It was a big tank, a big tanker that can be towed. 
Um, the BMP couldn't tow it. Well, it would tow it, but it'd be like a sitting duck. So it's better for one of these um, Zills to tow it. So as they back up, um, Kasha gives a signal. Grunts, the Warta, Dimitri, etc., jump out and annihilate um, the remaining force that is there. It's done pretty quickly. Um, all, all, four, all four or five of the, um, the people are dead. Uh, in short order, the ambush is successful. Kasha has take Kasha and Team One have taken Cash Alpha, the Marauder Cash Alpha. Mr. GM Malegist, we just hit the first cash, and these marauders think that they are smarter than we are, but they are not smart enough to know you trust nobody. I do not know 100% how other teams are doing. We were just in charge of Team 1, myself and Mr. Grunts. As well as Dimitri and his team. Some of them I had to lend some to Mr. Jonesy. They are keeping an eye on his heels. And then Mr. Chernoff took his team to catch two. There should be plenty of things for him to shoot at there. I hope that make him very happy. I will report back when I know the casualty numbers. So far, none for us. And uh, 10 dead marauders so far and one dead truck. So Jonesy is able to kind of, when he was interrogating the guy, he was able to gain his mannerisms and his speech patterns and being the good spy that he is, is able to then uh, find the frequency on which the marauders are using, call in, report, give him false information, and then find out what's going on. Um, later on, after he after they communicate, all the players, they make sure that the vehicles have radios and they have radios so they can communicate uh, between each other. There's a delay because like Team 1 can talk to Team 2 and Team 3 can talk to Team 2 and Team 2 sort of distributes based on the ranges of the radios. Uh, they're about 10 to 20 kilometers apart at this point. All told, I think uh, between Team 1 and 3, it's about 30 kilometers distance. So that's pretty cool. It's good. You know, there's a good short range radios that they're using from the vehicles. Um, anyway, what is cool then is that Jonesy spoofs the leadership of in a Marauder Camp uh, Gamma and has them, well, he wanted them to send half, but they send like 10 men, so two patrols, out into the woods to reinforce uh, Cash 2. And then I think that's where we stopped because I think the, and while Team 1 sort of drives towards where uh, Cash 2, or sorry, where Team 2 is, wait, is awaiting to assault uh, Cash 2, um, the Cash Beta of the Marauders. So they're going to smash Cash 2 in theory while Jonesy's Group Team 3 engages uh, cash three, cash gamma, and then hopefully there is success, and then they're going to roll in, roll into those marauders that are trapezing through the woods. It'll be too late; they won't be able to reinforce uh, their cash beta, cash two, in time for sure if all goes as planned. But you never know when the bullets start flying, right? Um, all bets are off. So they have a good plan. They've set things up. Uh, they've really got the marauders on their heels, but. Uh, we'll see what happens next.
So thank you, everyone, for listening. Call-ins and recaps seem to be pretty fun and popular for my small group of dedicated listeners. Well, TJ Drennan does the intro and outro music. My wife, Amy, has done the cover art. So again, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you to my callers. And now we'll hear some uh, outro music by TJ Drennan. <laughs>